0: To episode 114 of the GameBots podcast. I'm your host Eric and this is my co-host. It's Christian. On this week's episode Christian and I both watched the 1993 movie What's Eating Gilbert Grape. I finished the game Marvel's Avengers and we're going to play the Amazon review game. But first Christian you and I both watched What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Uh, I, so this movie was entirely picked because this was one of the first movies I added to my Netflix back in like 2011 or 2012 and i just (laughs) never watched it um i saw somewhere in your notes you put like this is totally an oscar bait film and i think that's why i added it i was trying to watch like a lot of oscar movies that were streaming for free uh and i just never got around to it because all i remember this movie growing up was either one of my siblings or my parents watching it and not particularly caring for it so i never like watched (laughs) the whole movie (laughs)
1: Yeah, I uh I don't know. We'll get into it. I I didn't have the greatest time with this movie. <laughs> yeah. So this is directed by Lassie Hallstrom, who
0: the only other movies like that are somewhat recent is he did Hachi: A Dog's Tale and Nutcracker in the Four Realms. Oof. But it seems like he's oh. Yeah, right. Like just a really random movie, but it seems like he's most known for his ABBA documentary back in the '70s, and he did all of ABBA's big music videos because he's Swedish, or
1: yeah, so they're from Sweden, right? Uh, yeah, pretty sure. <laughs> that's quite a resume, though. Like that's, uh, man, talk about movies I didn't have a good time with. Nutcracker in the Four Realms was terrible.
0: I feel like this guy's catalog just might be your cryptid. <laughs> he, he has like a lot of dramas and like, you know, it seems like they're all very much in these veins, except Nutcracker in the Four Realms is the one that seemed way out there to me because
1: that, that was like a CGI yeah. fest. It was. and it, Well, I guess Dog's Tale wasn't CGI. They just AV would all the, the dogs. But uh, yeah, I, that's that's one I hadn't seen but wanted to, and I certainly haven't seen all of Abba's big music videos. But yeah, <laughs> Nutcracker was not great. He has like fifteen other <laughs> other
0: movies in between there. <laughs> like he started out with Abba in the seventies and just just kept going. So this also stars Johnny Depp, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio, Juliette Lewis, Mary Steenburgen, and John C. Riley. Like this has a
1: weirdly good cast for early nineties. John C. Riley was the biggest surprise to me. I could not, when his name popped up on the like the opening titles, I was, I was excited actually.
0: <laughs> this is the earliest movie I think I've I've knowing like uh, that I remember seeing seeing him in.
1: Yeah, same for sure. I have a question for you. Do you think John C. Riley ages? <laughs> no, I thought he looked like he looked a little younger, but he looked borderline identical in this and. This movie is like thirty years old. Yeah, it freaked me out. Junsy Riley
0: has looked like a fifty-five-year-old man from age twenty <laughs> until fifty-five. It freaked me out. Oh man, I, I. So this movie is also based on a novel, which I don't know if you saw beforehand. And once I saw that, this movie makes way more sense to me. Like this feels like
1: a novel movie. Yeah, I agree. I didn't know that going into it, but I saw it in your notes and and I definitely agree that it has that feel, especially like a 90s novel adaptation kind of a feel. Right. And this is very much like slice of life. Let's
0: just analyze or not analyze, but, you know, look at the lives of this family. Uh,
1: So what what is the basic premise of this movie? I mean, there isn't one really. Like you said, it's just kind of a slice of life, which is okay for some movies, but I was kind of bored. Uh, but it, it's essentially just about this family who uh, the the father committed suicide and the mother is morbidly obese and doesn't leave the house. And so it's just about these three siblings who are in charge of taking care of the fourth sibling who has like a severe developmental disability. Right,
0: and that's uh, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, who was like seventeen or eighteen when they filmed this. So he's he looked he does look pretty young in this. I thought he was actually younger than uh, eighteen.
1: I thought he looked very young as well. If you were to, I mean, I I don't know how much makeup they did and and stuff, but like if you were to ask me to put a number on this, I would have said he was 14 or 15. Right.
0: And he like he was age appropriate because he was literally playing a kid turning 18. That was like a big point of the movie was they're prepping for Arnie, who's this who's the character's
1: name's his birthday party. And Johnny, yeah, even right at even right at the beginning when they say that it's it's one of the, like the opening lines like oh my brother's about to turn eighteen and and or they they say Arnie's about to turn eighteen and I was like oh well that's not Leonardo DiCaprio then and then it was like mm, okay I I honestly like it's one of those things where I feel like movies have
0: warped my view because I'm not in high school anymore like what. <laughs> An actual like 17 or 18 Year old looks like because every time you see It in movies or TV now it's like a 20 Year old playing them so oh no, yeah I, def- I Definitely agree with that like I just recently watched Tokyo Drift and they have like a 24 Year <laughs> old playing like a 16 year old Like he and he looks 30 he has like A receding hairline <laughs> So it's definitely just Completely warped. Work- where it's like oh no this kid is Actually age appropriate and, he- and I'm like This kid's 14 <laughs> Johnny Depp also pretty young in this too he plays a 24 year old Gilbert Grape who is more or less the star of this movie it's looking at his life and him dealing with his really just I guess inter family drama and dealing with the fallout of the death of his father and how everyone has handled that but there's also uh, their mother who is morbidly obese and then he has a younger sister who's 15 and an older sister who I don't think they ever give her age but I think she's older than Johnny Depp's character
1: yeah I think that the 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 sister who's like the the cook and and stuff I think she is supposed to be the oldest sibling
0: i I will say I did not actually like the first half of this movie and i I think has in the same boat with you, but the movie like grew on me for the back half and and I've been trying to think why. And I, I think I do act like I think I like slice of life and character studies maybe uh, on this specific demographic more than you do. It's partly why I didn't mind Ghost World when we watched it. Like I like slice of life 90s and especially like slice of life night, like rural 90s, because they feel like they're <laughs> in a different era in this town, man.
1: It's true. It's very, very Midwest. And it, it is. It's what, Iowa, right? They're yeah, supposed to be Iowa. In? Yeah, I mean, as soon as you start and it's just rolling f- hills and kind of featureless, like I, uh, yeah, it's it's very mid Midwest. I'm used to the the mountains, like, but uh, yeah, I just maybe maybe you're right. Maybe slice of life just isn't my genre because yeah, you brought up Ghost World and I really didn't have a very good time with that one either. <laughs> uh, a major plot point of this movie is essentially
0: the equivalent of like a kroger or a giant eagle or a wagmans or or whatever you know like a chain grocery store opening up in this town like 10 miles away and drawing all the
1: business away i did like my heart broke a little bit when gilbert walked out of that grocery store and his boss was was just happened to be sitting there in his car for some reason (laughs) like was his boss scoping out the competition
0: (laughs) also i guess dude also like it would have
1: been it would have been better if they like passed each other in the door and just kind of like nodded like neither of us are gonna speak about
0: this right everyone in this movie has impeccable timing of seeing gilbert grape at the worst possible time (laughs) that they can like the boss just happened to be at the supermarket when he was like he has having an affair and like the lady he's having an affair with and his two friends and his sister and the girl who's actually age appropriate he's trying to hang out with all happen to be at the ice cream parlor at the exact same (laughs) time as well as this lady who's he's having an affair with children and her husband's driving by like everyone just runs into him when it's very plot convenient
1: yeah that was weird I the, the entire affair plotline was wild And seemed wholly unnecessary Yeah I, I looked <laughs> I looked before I started this To see how much time I needed And it said it was two hours And I cannot believe that that is true You thought it was much longer <laughs> So much longer I swear I thought I had like An hour and a half extra time Before we recorded tonight And I like barely got it in under the wire I, I, I'm with you
0: Of all the storylines it felt like the affair could have been cut entirely and it really would not have affected
1: the story in any way. No, it would have had no bearing on the story. Like it's not like he was going through this weird mental conflict of like, do I stay with this married woman or do I pursue, uh, what's her name? Uh, and he just kind of does both for a while. And, and then sure. Her husband has a heart attack and drowns and she leaves town. And I mean, he's like, well, dilemma solved right it's one of those things like that had to have just been kept in because
0: maybe that was like a bigger plot point in the book or something
1: yeah it's possible
0: the only thing i remember narratively at having any ish, like any reason to be in there was when he's like why did you choose me and she said because i I knew you would never leave where like i felt like that was a dig to him but there was like 20 minutes of other stuff there
1: I mean, there were a lot of people in that town that, for sure, were never going to leave. It was going to be most of them, right? I mean, that's how most small towns are. Like the that's how the most towns people, are. Yeah, the only people that seemed upwardly mobile in this story at all was the sister who they said got a like a bakery job in Des Moines, and John C. Riley, who was obsessed with like corporate structure. Yeah, like
0: weirdly into Burger Barn. But I think there is a stat out there. Like in the U.S., like something like 70% of the population do not move within like more than 60 miles from where they're born. So you're right. Like I feel like most likely someone else would have stayed there. Right. John C. Riley. also, you're right, weirdly into Burger Barn when he seems to be a skilled laborer. (laughs) Like he was like, yeah, you're like a master electrician and also a
1: home builder. I kept thinking the same thing. Like why does this guy want to work for like a fast food restaurant this man would make a killing as like a carpenter and plumber
0: and i i I was laughing though at one point because i don't know if this was new in the 90s or this was like meant to be like yeah this guy's really into it he there's an entire like monologue he was going on about canola oil
1: (laughs) did you hear did you notice that yeah, he's talking about how it makes the French fries crispier. I don't know. That was yeah, that was very weird. Dude, canola oil is just vegetable oil. Yeah, for the most part. Like, well, <laughs> we I, use it to pop popcorn, and that's all. That's about all I know about it. I mean, you can thank John C. Riley for that. He
0: clearly it, talked it does. I you.
1: don't think it makes the popcorn any crispier though.
0: <laughs> there are just so many random parts like that. Like you meet his two friends, John C. Riley, and then was it Crisper and was the other guy who's a mortician.
1: Yeah, Crispin Glover was a grade A weirdo in this movie. I think that's kind of the role he plays generally, but, like, they ask him if he ever fools around with the dead bodies, and he says no, but he does, like, a chuckle that means yes. <laughs> and then he tells a weird story about how, like, him and the other morticians make up, like, funny jokes about them, but it's okay because they're dead and they, they'll never hear it, and I was like, ooh, that's that's rough. And then the last time we see him, he's on the porch of the, the farm talking to Gilbert Grape's, like, 15-year-old sister. And he's like, boy, you sure grew up. And I was like, what's happening? Yeah, this
0: guy is a weirdo. But I do actually think him referencing them making fun of the dead bodies does come into play at the end of the movie, though. So, yeah, I, okay, I can see that a little bit. But it is one of those things where I agree he's a weirdo. But, the I like, I... I feel like this movie was about a couple things, but one of them like was trying to find, at least for the main characters, like they were trying to find something. And I feel like for the mother, it was dignity because there was like kind of a thing where she had a moment with, uh, what's her name? Juliette Lewis's character, where she finally like met someone who didn't laugh at her. Like, cause even her family, like she was a burden to her family. Gilbert made fun of her behind her back and like this person didn't. And then she finally did, like, a task that she hadn't done for seven years, which, small, like, it's a small accomplishment for some people, but she walked up the stairs, which she hadn't done. Uh, and then she died, and the whole thing was, like, just letting her die with dignity as, as to why they burned down the house. So I feel like that's how that right. ties in.
1: Okay, yeah. Uh, so it does have some bearing, at least. But him, fool. I mean, maybe they were worried, too, that Crispin Glover
0: would fool around with her mom. <laughs> <laughs> We've, like, basically talked about nothing, which is the main part of this, which is just Gilbert Grape (laughs) taking care of Arnie for so much of this movie and their relationship.
1: Okay, so do you think Gilbert is a good person? (laughs) That's what... And does... do Do you think the movie wants us to think that he's a good person?
0: That's what I constantly was, like, going back and forth on. I don't actually think he seems like a good person, and that's the one thing he's trying to do when he's talking to... Juliet, Jesus, I keep forgetting her name. Juliet Lewis is she's like, what do you want? He's like, I want to be a good person. And there's instances where like he gave up a lot on his life to take care of Arnie because he would have been like 17 when his dad died. And it seems like he has become Arnie's primary caretaker as the mother went into depression and then clearly had some sort of food addiction and just sort of gave up on life. And all the family had to deal with it, but I would argue, like it seemed like he has the hardest part because he literally feels like he can't move away because he is tied to Arnie, and so you do feel bad for him because he he is seems like he's a decent caretaker to him. It would be hard to do starting at seventeen to take care of your brother. But also you have scenes where he's, like, helping – he's, like, lifting kids up to see his mom so they can laugh at her. And he's openly making fun of his mom to Juliet Lewis who doesn't know she's morbidly obese. But he's, like, giving, like, all these burns on her and, like, quietly laughing. <laughs> and he's having an affair with a married woman. Like, he's conflicted. I, I think overall I don't think he's a good character. I don't think the movie wants you to think that.
1: Yeah, I couldn't tell where the movie stood on that because I I agree. I don't think he like I think he's a sympathetic character at times, but I don't think he's a good person. And the the movie, yeah, it's like you said, he's he's mocking his mom and he's helping other people mock her and like he's having this affair. But then when he's talking to to Juliet Lewis, she says like, "All right, say say the things that you want." And he lists a bunch of things for like his mom and his siblings but and then she's like you you don't want anything for yourself and and so i don't know if the movie was saying like he's trying and failing or if that was supposed to be like a front cuz if so that's a bummer cuz he ends up with her at the end <laughs>
0: I, you know, I've, it's one of those, I'm sure he does want it because he's nice to his mom. I, I think he's justifiably resentful towards his mom and probably Arnie to a certain extent, you know, because he didn't ask for a lot of this and it was his mother's role to take care of Arnie and she pretty much for, she, she gave up on all motherly responsibilities and pushed them onto her kids and then her kids had to take care of her. So like... I think he could want the best for her. Like he could want her to start doing aerobics just because then she would be less useless to him. And I actually think maybe I misread this when he said, I want to be a good person. I thought he was kind of lying. I thought his major thing is he wanted to leave this town.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's when he has his like crisis after uh, he slaps Arnie around and then runs away. Like he drives basically like to the city limit and stops.
0: Right, and then has to turn back because that's what he's off. I want to say, he slapped Leo so hard. Leo went through a chair and it broke. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he really slapped it.
1: Yeah, I was sh- so sure that Leonardo DiCaprio was going to drown in this movie like halfway through. <laughs> when he when when he's like, you can bathe yourself, right, bud? And he, Leo's like, yeah, man. And so he just takes off to be with Juliette Lewis. I was like, he's gonna come back, and Leo's gonna be drowned in that in that tub. I was like, this is gonna be weird for Leonardo DiCaprio to have died like halfway through this movie. And he comes back, and it was just that he sat there all night and froze. I mean, someone did die in one inch of water in this
0: movie. So yeah, it's true. <laughs> I. I put in my notes. This is mean, but I was like, I'm not surprised they said this kid wasn't going to live past ten.
1: Yeah, didn't know. Nobody- well, I put, I put in my notes that I was sure that the the woman had like murdered her husband when they were like, oh, he drowned in a, in a kiddie pool, like in an inch of water. That's crazy. And I was like, holy crap, Marie Steenbergen killed him. And then they were like, no, there was no struggle. But then it was like a plot point that the entire town also thought that she killed him.
0: Yeah, well, I also have this question, too. For some reason, like, everyone in this town is a busybody and drives by anything happens, so Gilbert goes with Arnie to this house when the guy dies, which is like, okay, you were having an affair with her, why did you bring Arnie? And also, they went to this guy's funeral, and he brought Arnie, and in both instances, Arnie just started screaming about him being dead, which, I get it, I'm not blaming Arnie, but Gilbert should have probably left Arnie at home.
1: Oh, agreed. Yeah, for sure. Cause the, yeah, then he just starts screaming about the burger barn and stuff.
0: Right. And when the guy died, he's like, He's dead, he's dead, he's dead, and it's just like, No, like, you knew he would do that. Why? Oh my god. Also the entire plot point of him just really liking to climb the water tower.
1: Yeah. I, that was another one where I was like, he's going to fall off this water tower and that's how he's going to die. I had fully convinced myself that Arnie was going to die by the end of this movie.
0: I kind—I mean, I knew he did because I'd seen parts of this before, but if, watching it blind, that's what I feel like they would have been hinting at. Because the first scene is him climbing up the water tower, but instead it was used as a point to like basically showing that the townspeople were just going to stare and laugh at their mom because... When she came to get him and walked outside, like, literally the town square, like, people came out to look at her, and some dude was taking pictures.
1: Yeah, everyone in this town sucked.
0: I think it's just really unrealistic unless that is, like, what the small town Midwest is, but their mom wasn't even that fat. Like, she was big, but I feel like if you're in Iowa, there's probably bigger people walking around, you know?
1: Yeah, I don't... I don't know they the everyone in the town treated her like a joke like we had said the kids came and tried to like sneak peeks over through the the window which is crazy because that farmhouse is in the middle of nowhere yeah there this is iowa so there's no hills or anything so you can see for miles around how did the kids manage to get that close to to the house you should be able to see them coming down the road from miles away they're
0: like riding tricycles or something weren't they like <laughs> they were like very small children there's also the entire plot point where I get it that, like, clearly the mother's not in a good place. But, like, their house was falling in because of her weight, because of where she was sitting, and the house wasn't constructed properly. But they couldn't tell her that, so they, like, secretly fixed the floor. But why weren't they just like, Mom, uh, we
1: need you to move. The floor's falling in. <laughs> yeah, like, you wouldn't even have to, I mean, it would be, I guess, probably an a empty gesture, but, like, you wouldn't even have to say, like, we need you to move because you're making the floor cave in. It's just like, oh, maybe they're like, we've got termites. We have to reinforce the boards. (laughs) It gets, it's pretty straightforward. I did think the scene after John C. Riley came and told them that the floor was going to collapse. And then they had to like, they were like tiptoeing around the couch. Every time the, the floor creaked, they would all wince. Like, I thought that was like kind of a funny moment.
0: So Darlene Cates, who is the woman who played the mama at her most, weighed 575 pounds, which is a lot of weight. But that is that heavier than like a refrigerator?
1: <laughs> I don't know, but the the refrigerator wouldn't be like, I guess, stepping is what would do it. Yeah, right? moving okay. around. So I was trying to
0: think that and I was like, she doesn't seem that tall. But yeah, OK, so that makes more sense. But still, so big woman. Still, like, there's something you could have did on that one. I was happy she went up the stairs, though. Like, I, I legitimately forgot she died. And I was like, all right, she's making improvements. And then, <laughs> on you know, the scene with Gilbert, I was like, oh no, I feel terrible now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I had basically no knowledge of this movie. I knew that Leo had been nominated for an Academy Award. I knew he was super young. Uh I honestly had even forgotten Johnny Depp was in this until I saw it on like the cover of it on Netflix. So I, I knew really nothing about this going in. Yeah, I, I I didn't do a good job of interspersing this, but I did have some
0: like interesting tidbits on this. Darlene Cates, the woman who played uh Mama, she actually did not leave her house for five years prior to to like doing the film and its release holy crap um and she basically used some of the problems that she was facing like she just had she was basically mama like that was perfect casting on their part and apparently like some of the stuff johnny Depp had to do is in character he felt so bad about like he would profusely apologize after every filming yeah
1: that would have been rough
0: yeah especially because like it clearly was like something she was dealing with on her own i mean she went to the you know film the movie or whatever but uh like to be dealing with that beforehand like that that would be so tough and also apparently Leonardo DiCaprio played the part of Ar- Arnie so well people were shocked to find <laughs> once they actually met him that he did not have any sort of like develop developmental disabilities
1: yeah that that note was interesting I guess if this wasn't his very first role it had to have been real early if if people didn't already know who he was
0: yeah i I cannot remember if he's like a child actor or whatever but the first one i remember hearing him about was probably titanic but that was geez seven or eight years after this one so i'm sure he was in some things before that uh, and the between that and this
1: i've got to talk about that oscar nomination for a hot second too
0: (laughs) i saw your notes i
1: like i i had put in here like we had said earlier that this felt like oscar bait to me um but i went back and i looked cuz i i really think he was excellent in this he did a really good job i think everybody's acting in this was was quite good i just it's i thought it was kind of boring but <laughs> um i i was so surprised that he hadn't won for this that i went back and looked at who he lost to he lost to tommy lee jones in the fugitive was that a was that a best supporting actor nomination yep okay I've never seen The Fugitive, so I I can't. I have, but it's been a long time. But it doesn't matter. (laughs) It's about a U.S. marshal chasing escaped, like innocent prisoner Harrison Ford. I I cannot believe that Leonardo DiCaprio lost to Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive, and not only that, but Ray Fiennes was nominated the same year for Schindler's List. Oh my god. I cannot believe that Tommy Lee Jones beat both of them. It seems like if if Leo had lost to Ray Fiennes and Schindler's List, I would have said, like, okay. Like, uh, alright, I believe that. But I can't believe Tommy Lee Jones beat both of them. That's wild to me. I'm like, I might have to go back and revisit The Fugitive because it can't be that good.
0: I saw in your notes, and I actually think it's a great podcast idea, like, going back on, like, the past like, 30 years or whatever on Oscar winners and being like, who like what are the outliers that are like just way off
1: yeah stuff stuff like this where it's like i'm i'm sure that there are people in in like film schools and stuff that still talk about this performance and and schindler's list is like a cultural like it's it's a huge movie but but nobody still talks about the fugitive i would yeah i would love to go back and see like okay yeah this movie won best picture and left absolutely no cultural footprint Like the, this person won best pick, or Best actor against these other people who are still talked about today regularly the only thing I know about The Fugitive and I actually don't know if it's from that is that is that the one where like
0: they have a scene of like one of the guys standing out of like a sewer pipe or something and he jumps out I've seen that spoofed and I always thought it was The Fugitive
1: yeah I'm pretty sure
0: and it's something about a man with one arm or something Yep,
1: okay. Yeah, the the one-armed man killed uh Harrison Ford's wife and then Harrison Ford went to jail for it. It's also just about like pharmaceutical fraud. <laughs> just <laughs> just crammed in there. Yeah, that's that's the whole like B B plot. The the woman is murdered because she was like a whistleblower for a pharmaceutical company or something. Huh? um is there a, is there anything <laughs> else about gilbert grape you want to go over before we do budget and whatnot? i i don't think so yeah i i guess on the on the whole i just kind of thought it was slow and i there wasn't a whole lot going on i did see one one of your notes was like why is juliette lewis into this guy he, he brings nothing to the table and i definitely agree with that there are some really random scenes of this where it's just like she like
0: because he just keeps driving her home to deliver groceries and it's just like they're making out in front of her grandma and stuff and I'm like this is so weird. <laughs> also how old is she?
1: Like I'm assuming two she... times two times he ca- she catches him like lurking in his in her bushes.
0: Yeah, like this dude is and also red flag. It's not like they grew up together like she literally came nope. into town. She's there for like a
1: week and they get serious. I thought there was going to be a plot about like he he was intentionally sabotaging their car so that she could stay longer.
0: Yeah, I, I sort of was wondering if it was going in that direction when he was under the hood.
1: Oh yeah, the only thing I know her from is like because I was like, oh, she's so familiar. What's she been in? And she's been in so much in the past like thirty five years. Oh yeah, she's. And a in I've a ton seen. Of stuff. I've seen nothing except uh, Christmas Vacation. She's the daughter.
0: Wasn't she in, like, she's in some Will Ferrell movies, like Old School or something.
1: Have you not seen those? Yeah, like, I, I, I've seen, like, one or two things, but not enough that I would be able to be like, oh, yeah, that's what I know her from. Like, I never would have remembered she was in that. But as soon as I got back to National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, like, okay. Yeah, she she has a very big, like, f- she's been in a lot of stuff. I was very I'm surprised. Just not, I'm just not cultured enough, I guess.
0: <laughs> I also don't know how big her roles in
1: those, those movies were. <laughs>
0: Uh, so do you know what the budget box office info for this one was, Christian?
1: Yeah, so its budget was $11 million. It made back ten, which is not super surprising to me. Th- this is not a movie that I think is kind of designed to build its budget back. I think this was just straight award show bait. And uh, th- this was more like artsy than uh, kind of money making. Yeah, and I mean, I'm actually...
0: Surprised too on the scores. so the critics have this at 90% which on Rotten Tomatoes the critics have this at 90% which I kind of expected the audience have this at 89% which really surprised me because this is the type of movie I usually would think audiences wouldn't like and it had like 250,000 reviews oh wow so it wasn't like one of those where it's like oh only 10 people gave it to it like I, I was really surprised that they were so close to each other and they they were so high well that the audience was so high
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's not super surprising to me, but it it is probably a little higher than I would have expected. The critics, I'm surprised, honestly, isn't higher. (laughs) Uh, So would you recommend our audience check this one out? Honestly, I don't know. I'm torn. Like, it is a a famous movie, and it is in the culture, and so if you want to see it just to see it, I would say go for it. But if you're looking for something that's going to be like, what's a good entertaining movie I can sit down and watch tonight? Like, this is probably not the one for you yeah i i'm torn on this one too i'm actually
0: surprised i liked this one especially after (laughs) the first half but this is normally a movie that i'd be like yeah i don't i don't like it there is absolutely no action in this one (laughs) and it it is entirely a drama and i usually don't like dramas but I, i think it's a good drama i would say this is one of the niche movies if like like you said if you're trying to find like watch a certain type of movie then maybe or like if you're into dramas i think is worth checking it out but you know it's i don't think this is my regular flair of recommending because it's a fun movie because i don't think it's a fun movie <laughs> to watch yeah
1: this 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 to me is like prestige cinema yeah so like if if you're going back and that's like that's what you want to do then absolutely like you'll enjoy this but it's probably not my cup of tea yeah
0: i will say it is well acted like i think it's a well-made movie but I like it, but I don't think I would recommend it to our audience.
1: Okay, so this week I think you finally managed to get all the way through the Marvel Avengers video game. Uh, this was developed by Crystal Dynamics, who developed The Legacy of Kane and uh, Soul Reaver. Oh, and also the, the Tomb Raider reboot games and it was published by Square Enix who famously makes the the Final Fantasies and others. Uh, so what was the plot of well is, is this a game that has a plot or is it like a just kind of a like go on missions kind of a game? Uh so it's both actually. Um this this game honestly feels like
0: they tried to have their cake and eat it too because I <laughs> like they have a single player component which I actually enjoyed. I thought it was a pretty fun single player game you get to play as all the avengers and the the gameplay is well like this this crystal dynamics has a pedigree of making mechanically solid video games and then once you beat the main story it's about eight to ten hours you get into the end game <laughs> stuff and this is where it wants to be basically a loot based action game something like destiny but instead of shooting you're a third person action game and the game falls I wouldn't say it falls completely flat on that, on that end.
1: Uh, That's too bad. Yeah. Like I, I remember seeing commercials for this and it, it looked fun, but I, yeah, it felt like a game where it was just going to kind of go forever. And that's not really what I was looking for at the time. Right. And that's, that's the
0: problem. Like I think this, if they had just tried to make a single player Avengers game, I think they would have succeeded because once you level up all your characters and granted I only fully love like max leveled three of the now eight um but I got the other ones up to a decent enough level where like their abilities do more and more stuff like it's fun playing as them like you feel like you are that hero yeah and had they leaned into that more because they had some set pieces in the uh, single player game that were so well done and then when you get to the end game it's really
1: repetitive. Yeah, you hate to see that. That's rough. Like I yeah. It it feels like you just wouldn't want to go back and revisit it at all if it if it just drags on too long. Right. And that's the thing is like it's meant to be played
0: for like it, you know, not forever because you run out of content, but it's it's one of those games that don't end. Like it's a games as a service model. And I mean, <laughs> Avengers did, they didn't start out strong. There was like a hype going into it. And then like the backlash start almost immediately as when they announced it, because they announced this right around the time Endgame was dropping. But then they're like, it's going to be released in like two years after Endgame. So like they didn't time it <laughs> properly. <laughs>
1: No, not
0: at all. The character models they chose are the uncanny valley of the cinematic universe of the Avengers, where it looks like they're stunt doubles. So instead of Ooh. like having Chris Evans in the movie or Scarlett Johansson, it's like we have things that approximately look like them. <laughs> and so it's like, Oh,
1: that's not great. <laughs> right.
0: And then it's like, you're like, okay, so are we following the movies? And it's like, well, no, we're going more in a comics direction. So it was like, well, why didn't you use more of a comic book like the character look? But clearly they're trying to get like the movie crowd in. like all a lot of this game, like I said, feels like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. Or like they had their foot in two realms and it just never quite worked for me the way that like it feels like it should have.
1: Well, which of the Avengers were actually in this? Was it like the main movie team? Did they expand out into the weirder ones? So for the so they
0: have had two DLC drops on this, so there will be two additional characters. But the original game had all the Avengers you would think of. You had um, Black Widow, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, and then the one that was new, which I actually think made a lot of sense, was Kamala Khan as Miss Marvel. Um, Kam- sorry, Kamala Khan as Miss Marvel. Um, who was really good, which if you haven't read her comic book Cherry, she's not like Captain Marvel. She gets her, she gets her powers. She's like an inhuman. She's stretchy and stuff like that. But narratively, it makes a lot of sense because the opening scenes of this game are basically the Avengers, uh, sort of causing, but really being framed for a disaster that destroys San Francisco and starts what's called like, uh, they release a gas called Terrigen gas that creates the inhumans, which, are basically X Men, but <laughs> that they're created like pro at a time when Marvel was fighting over the rights with the X Men. So they're basically created X Men.
1: Yeah, the the Terrigen and the Inhumans were in uh Ages of Shield.
0: Yeah, they're like comically, like maybe they were around before, but I don't know. Like all of it seemed like they are like, well, we can't use the X-Men. We'll create our own X-Men to me. <laughs> uh, so, you know, that's what she is. But she's a good character. Like it's it's she's a huge fan of the Avengers. So it's like you have a fanboy avatar and you have to go and like get all the Avengers back who are moping because they sort <laughs> of think they destroyed an entire city and it was all their fault. And, you know, you you uh,
1: assemble all the Avengers and that part of the game is fun. Well it it seems like it makes sense that they would want to have had her in because they just announced that she's getting her own movie now too, right? I actually didn't know that. So that yeah, I mean it would make sense that she
0: <laughs> is the lead in it then. I, I had no I, I have I know that the Avengers or the Marvel stuff dropped. I haven't watched any of it though.
1: Yeah. Um and what about villains then? Is it is it all just kind of just dealing with the inhuman population explosion or are there actual like bad guys in this?
0: There's some actual bad guys, but Christian, the villain portion in this game is another area where it's just disappointing. Marvel has <laughs> a rich history of villains. Even if you can't use Spider-Man and the X-Men villains, there are in the base game, I think three villains. You have MODOK, you have Taskmaster and you have Abomination and then Every other enemy you fight in the game is some robot created by the organization called AIM. And that's it. And in the game itself, the, the, the villain fights work fine, but when you do them at the end game, they're just basically a stronger enemy. Like, it doesn't feel like a boss battle. It, mm-hmm. It's so weird. Like, they couldn't have thrown in a couple more villains is my question, because it's it's lacking.
1: Isn't MODOK the giant floating head in a jetpack? Yes,
0: that is him. He is an inhuman in this game where he just, yeah, he controls technology with his mind. And then even with the DLC, we got one new villain, which is Maestro, which is a future version of the Hulk. So it's just basically another version of Abomination
1: with a slightly different boss battle. Oh, God. MODOK also just got his own TV show, I think
0: i never liked modok i read a couple of comics with him in it but i don't i guess i would reserve my judgment i thought he was a pretty good villain in this though well what is aim aim is his organization and in this game they took over basically the avengers task of becoming the new like shield because shield gets disbanded and they're trying to deal with the terrigen mist and the inhuman issue since they're popping up everywhere but they're really the bad guys. And I, I mean, I think canonically they also tend to be bad guys. I honestly don't know enough about aim to give the history on them because <laughs> I've only only read a couple comics where they were uh, involved that they were involved with.
1: Right. So what are like, what's the mechanics of this? Like, are, are there, everybody has their own like power set or move set. I'm guessing based on their powers. Like, are there any, anything in particular that's like awesome?
0: Yeah, so actually, like, the the fighting in this game is solid. It's a third-person action game. Think, like, God of War or Devil May Cry, one of those games where, you know, you have your basic strong and heavy attack inputs, and then each character has three special moves. One of them's an ultimate, one's usually some sort of support ability, and then one's, like, an attack ability. And they all do honestly feel different, and all the characters do play a little bit different because, like, Thor and Iron Man can fly, You get DLC characters like Hawkeye and I think Kate Bishop, who can teleport around for some reason. Miss Marvel is like stretchy. Hulk is Hulk (laughs) is disappointing because he's big and you think he should be invulnerable, but like the tiniest things will stagger him, which is very annoying. Uh, Mm. But Black Widow's real cool and Captain America. You're throwing a shield around like they're all very fun. Uh, And I, you know, I played all of them except the two DLC characters. Uh, I max leveled miss marvel thor and i got like iron man to almost that like the max level is 130 and i got him to the soft cap at one sorry the max level is 150 i got him to the soft cap at 130 and then you have to do stuff after that and i didn't have to because i played the game by then uh but thor had this move which i think is hilarious because it feels like it breaks enemies so <laughs> the idea of like mjolnir is no one can pick pick it up so like if thor puts it on something you can't lift that thing up so one of his powers is you can throw it at enemies and then it just sticks to them and they can't do anything (laughs) and so you can do this to any like i want to say small enemy in the game there's small enemies and large enemies (laughs) and small enemies make up like 90 percent of the game so you can't do this to like three enemy sets uh but small enemies also include like really annoying like Upper level, like elite enemies. So, like, you'll get into a scenario where it's like kill these elite guys, and you can like literally just like pin one to the like floor or the wall. They can't do anything, and then you just punch (laughs) them to death, which I thought was hilarious.
1: Yeah, that seems like an oversight.
0: (laughs) Right? It makes no, it makes no sense. It's like, oh yeah, this guy's real tough, and it's like, nope, I just literally punched him to death.
1: Oh, man. Well, I guess it's it's funny, because that is kind of like a a throw-out to the the first Thor movie, where he dealt with Loki for a couple minutes by just sticking the hammer on him and walking away.
0: (laughs) Right, like, I'm glad that it's in there, and I think it's very funny, but it does like, trivialize, like, certain powerful (laughs) enemies. I I do want to say, though, I feel like, you know, I said this game was, I feel like I've generally been cheery on this game. I do want to point out that what killed this game for me, other than it being really repetitive, like, I I, I don't want to understate this. The end game content basically has like five open world maps that are all essentially the same. And and that's where you'll be playing or you'll be playing in underground bunkers that like maybe have five or six rooms that are all the same. And you're always going to be doing one of like six to seven mission objectives. Mm -hmm. And they all revolve around either killing enemies or like standing in a highlighted square (laughs) <laughs> or, like, destroying an item. Like, they're not very clever. Like, at least in Destiny, when you got to end game content, like, there were things you had to figure out doing a raid. Like, the raids were the big things that you want to do. They had unique bosses that felt unique, they had puzzles to them. Like, this doesn't have that. And it's just like, well, I'm playing end game content now because I'm playing with my friend. And I act, like this game's fun to just fight enemies in and, you know, chat with a friend. But, like playing this alone, which I did for most of it to get the platinum, is boring. Like, I would just put on a podcast to listen to while (laughs) I played. And then, what's worse is this game has been out for eight months, and there are a crazy number of glitches, Christian, like bugs, things that I would have to restart either a mission or the game to get working again, which I feel like is unacceptable for a game that has been out for eight months like
1: yeah that sucks and i i feel like that's become almost like an industry standard now where it's like we're just gonna put out this game if it's done great and then let we'll let the users be the beta testers but even
0: on those usually the games will fix bugs like these guys infamously in their first patch patch like i think it was over a thousand things Oh, my God. Like, something insane. And things were still broken for me. Number one, the load times are really long, which sucks. But one of the trophies I needed, you, you needed to complete one of their endgame contents. It's basically a dungeon. It's called a Hive. They take about 20 to 30 minutes to complete. Uh, there's two variations of the Hive. There's the normal ones, or there's the elite ones, which take longer. They have stronger enemies. And there's, like, another floor you have to go through. 25, like, beating 50 these took me about 25 hours on just completing the hive itself um my god there's a glitch in this game though where for whatever reason my game shop stopped showing the normal level hives and would only show the elite ones which i only had one character that was high enough level to play them at the time and all the other ones could have played the lower level ones The only way that I could play these was if I disconnected to the internet for whatever reason and then they would show up, which was annoying because then you have to play this game offline. Another issue was if I I basically had an option to play one of two hives, once I played both of them or like if I tried and tried to replay the other one, it would go to an infinite loading screen. So every time I beat both of the hives, I would have to restart my game, sit through basically five minutes of loading screens to get back just to play another one. And doing this like 50, you know, 25 times or however many uh, just got really old. And that's on top of when I played about 10 hives, I would get halfway through them and enemies wouldn't load. And to to progress is like kill these enemies. They wouldn't load in and, like, restarting the floor wouldn't work. Restarting the hive didn't always work. And then I had a look online and they're like, well, if you have Miss Marvel in your group, it's well known that enemies won't spawn most of the time. And it's just like, <laughs> why? That makes
1: no sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well known, but unfixed.
0: Yeah. Also on this one, apparently, like, if you're playing online, I played two with my friend. He hosted... Like, he was the host of it, I guess. If you're playing on, a uh, like, a game someone else is hosting, those don't count. So I had to play, like, 52 Hives to get this, which was also just something stupid. Oh, my the, God. The trophy is literally, like, play 50. And so you see all these accounts online where people be like, I played 170 of these and I haven't gotten the trophy yet. Like, what's going on?
1: That's crazy.
0: Yeah, the bugs in this is what kind of makes this as uh, unacceptable to me, which is why, overall, like, I... If you could find this game for like 20 bucks and you just want to play a single player game, I think it's worth it. But over that, like, I don't know. There's just no in-game content and the bugs on this really, really annoyed me.
1: Yeah, I don't blame you.
0: I think, I mean, to be fair too, like they did give two free story DLCs, which is cool. I haven't played them yet, but they seem like, you know, whatever, extra content. Uh, I guess down the line though, they're like charging $10 per new character, which is kind of expensive. (laughs) Yeah. S- especially if you paid sixty bucks for this game, which it's not worth. Um <laughs> and it doesn't work. Right, like it's really buggy. I-, I think if I had to like I'm just gonna give this a tier rating. I'd put this as I guess a C, like it's like the D C line and I'd give it I'd give it the nudge to the C just because I did like I did like the main story. Mm. All right, and now it's time for our Amazon review game. Just a quick recap of the rules. Christian has a 3 one-star reviews for a movie from Amazon. He will read the first review. I will get two yes or no questions to help me narrow down what the movie is. I can then either guess or ask for two more clues. He can re- or sorry, I I can either guess or ask for another cl- another review. After that review, I'll get two more yes or no questions, and then I can guess or ask for a third review, and after that, I'll get two more yes or no questions, and then I have to guess. We are keeping score this year. If I get it on the first review, it's three points, two points for the second, one point for the third, zero points if I miss it. Christian, I am ready when you are.
1: All right. The first review is called Worst Movie in the Lineup, Barely Watchable. I thought this movie plot was bad, acting was bad, accents were bad, total waste of money, endless stereotypes, horrible drama, just skip this one, I didn't even finish.
0: Boy, who uses accents in movies? (laughs) Oh man, and it's a series, so there's two good clues. Was this movie released after 2010?
1: Mm Hmm no
0: oh boy okay was this movie released after the year 2000 okay i'm going to need a second review
1: i will say astoundingly only two percent of the the reviews on this are one star um uh, i'll read my personal favorite though it won't count um where is it I didn't order this. Shut down my card with an app for a while. No other rogue purchases so far.
0: I'm glad that they played the movie for that. It's
1: like the dude's kid bought it, and was like, no, of course I didn't. (laughs) I don't want this in my history. Uh, Okay, so, wow, this is bad i'm still powering through to watch them all but rest assured but as everyone assured me this one really is just really really bad every few minutes it got more nonsensical i know they're not supposed to make sense but you're at least supposed to root for someone in this movie and no
0: boy i am i'm drawing a blank look clearly it's a series is this a is i just want to go to the old standby is this in the fast and furious franchise
1: yes oh wow okay (laughs) okay
0: All right, so we, darn, we got one, two, three, and four. I think five came out in two thousand eleven. It's funny. I mean, it's funny you brought up the accent part because in five there is this one scene where I'm just going off on tangent, where Brian reveals to Vin (laughs) Vin Diesel like he has a kid, and then they're like talking about fathers, and Vin Diesel does this really weird accent where he's like, "My father." I remember everything about
1: my father and it's, I remember everything about my father.
0: Yeah, like he does this weird accent out of nowhere and you're like what?
1: <laughs>
0: okay. Um does this I'm just this movie feature a lot of drifting? Yes. <laughs> this is this Tokyo uh, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift.
1: Sure is. Right. You had told me you were you had just watched it not that long ago so I was like oh this will be perfect.
0: Yeah, this is in my mind.
1: I I feel like
0: I always ask is it a Fast and Furious movie and the answer is always no so I (laughs) just tried not to ask
1: the the last review I had was uh, ordered this and gone in 60 seconds not impressed I like the ones with Vin
0: Thanks for listening, guys. If you'd like to contact us, we are at Gambots Network on Twitter, or you can email us at gambots.blog at gmail.com. Also, we have a website now if you want to check that out. That's gambotsnetwork.com. And finally, if you're listening to somewhere where you can rate and subscribe, we'd appreciate it as that does help with marketing. Thanks for tuning in,
1: guys. Thank you. Thank you.